This is the Bible Book Club. And we're in the book of Numbers. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. Last episode in Bible Book Club, we were in chapter five of Numbers, and we read about several commands for the purity of the camp, which were necessary for the final preparations for the move to the promised land. And the purity issues discussed in chapter 5 and chapter 6 were the removal from camp of anyone with a skin disease, which was adding on to um, the original law that was given to them in Leviticus, not Mm -hmm. just the skin disease, some other things that God added to that. The restitution for wrongs against a neighbor, the ritual for settling suspected cases of an unfaithful wife and actually protection over Mm -hmm. the women of that time, the rules for an individual who took a vow, and then... God gave Moses instructions for how Aaron and the priests were to bless all of Israel, and they got that beautiful, ironic blessing. Mm -hmm. So if we could like pull up to 30,000 foot level, there's this kind of cool thing going on between God and the Israelites. He, you know, through, he brought them out of Exodus, then he spends this time giving them a lot of laws and rules. Then they respond to his instructions and they build the tabernacle. Then he he tells them how to ordain the priests and to become pure. And then they respond to that and put it all together and do well. And in the last one, he gives them this blessing. And now they're going to respond to God's blessing with gifts out of out of their heart. So you see this kind of giving back and forth. God says, God does something for them in Egypt. Then um, God gives them instructions and they do it. And God gives them more and they do it. And there were a couple of mistakes in there, like that cow incident and all other things. But there is this relationship. And I want people to see this. There was a relationship developing and it's hard work. <laughs> it's hard work for the Israelites. They have to build stuff and do stuff and obey laws. And God needs them to do that so he can dwell amongst them because, you know, it's after the fall and they're full of sin and he wants to be with them, but they, but they have to do these things and they, and they want to, because he's going to take them to that promised land and that's where they want to go. So they're working together. They're trying to have a relationship and that's where we are. And this is the response in chapters seven and eight. They're going to bring gifts. Now I want to go over the timeline of events because this is very interesting. The story or narrative of Moses's life journey and actually Israel's too, picks up right here in number seven from way back in the last chapter of Exodus. So if we skipped all 27 chapters of Leviticus and the first six chapters of Numbers and we read Exodus chapter 40, verse two, back to back with Numbers chapter seven, verse one, it would read like this. Then the Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting on the first day of the first month. When Moses finished setting up the tabernacle, he anointed and consecrated it and all its furnishings. He also anointed and consecrated the altar and all its utensils. Leviticus was a long, very interesting law-filled insertion to Moses and Israel's story. So were the first six chapters of Numbers. It's like God just stuck them in there. Here is the confusing timeline in chronological order. Just so you understand, we are picking up from Exodus 40, even though we've covered 34 chapters. So if we go back to the chronological order, day one of the first month of the second year is where we are right now. The tabernacle is completed. You just heard it. The verse set up the tabernacle and then 7-1 said when Moses finished setting up the tabernacle. That's where we are. 
The tabernacle was completed. That is Exodus 40 and number seven. Also, the laws for the offerings were Leviticus 1. They were done on this day. The offering for the altar um, began in number 7-3. The ordination of the priest begins in Leviticus 8. All that kind of takes place on this first day, the first month. Then day eight of the first month, the ordination of the priest ends. We covered that in Leviticus 9. Then on day 12, offerings for the altar end. We're going to cover that in number 778 at the end of this. Also in day 12, the appointment of Levites happens in numbers 8-5. We're going to read that too. Day 14, we're going to have the second Passover, which is Numbers 9, which I cannot wait to get to because we're going to start to roam the earth after Numbers 9. Now, day one of the second month, the census begins, and that was back in Numbers 1-1. So we're all out of order. See, day 14 of the second month, the Passover happens for those who are delayed because they were um, kicked out of the camp because of disease. Remember, we're going to kick a bunch out. That's Numbers 9-11. And then day 20, the cloud and camp move. That is Numbers 10. That's where we really get back into the story. So it is very confusing to read. That's a lot of numbers. It's a lot of numbers, but it's also like the story is we got all those rules and we thought it was kind of happening then. It's really happening now. Basically, we are starting our story back on day one of the second year since leaving Egypt. The tabernacle is set up and there is going to be a celebration of tribal pageantry. It is a really, really big deal. The 12 tribes are going to present their gifts to God because they're so thankful that they are about to begin their journey to Canaan. Verse two, then the leaders of Israel, the heads of the families who were the tribal leaders in charge of those who were counted made offerings. They brought as their gifts before the Lord six covered carts and 12 oxen, an ox from each leader and a cart from every two. These they presented before the tabernacle. The Lord said to Moses, accept these from them that they may be used in the work at the tent of meeting. Give them to the Levites as each man's work requires. So Moses took the carts and oxen and gave them to the Levites. He gave two carts and four oxen to the Gershonites as their work required. And he gave four carts and eight oxen to the Meritites as their work required. They were all under the direction of Ithmar, son of Aaron, the priest. But Moses did not give any to the Kohathites because they were to carry on their shoulders the holy things for which they were responsible. Okay, so we're going to have to move the tabernacle to get going. And to do that, the Levites need some gifts. And this is a great opportunity for every single one of the tribes to feel like they have a part in moving the tabernacle. Even though it was really the Levites who had to actually carry it. Yes, but they have to give the Things that allow them to do it. Exactly. Verse 10. When the altar was anointed, the leaders brought their offerings for its dedication and presented them before the altar. For the Lord had said to Moses, each day, one leader is to bring his offerings for the dedication of the altar. The next set of gifts was to be given on 12 sequential days with each tribe on its own day, proudly presenting their generous gift. Picture the opening games of the Olympics. There are processions, banners, flags of countries, tribes, whatever they are. Unfortunately for us, (laughs) these presentations read identically, repeating 12 times. To spice it up, as you picture this parade of individual glorious tribes stepping forward in allegiance to God, I am going to give you a little intel on the tribe and their exploits in the years and seasons of the Bible Book Club to follow. 
Verse 12, The one who brought his offering on the first day was Nashon, son of Minadab, of the tribe of Judah. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Nashon, son of Aminadab. So again, this is each tribe's fellowship offering um, in response to God out of thankfulness. Now, each of these tribes, as we've discussed before, are come from Jacob's sons. Each son becomes a tribe with a few exceptions. I'm going to go over it. And we do have something in the show notes that kind of shows the 12 sons that become the 12 tribes. Now, Judah was the first one. This is the it tribe. This is the tribe you want to be in. They are the bomb. Judah uh, is the tribe from the fourth son of Jacob and the first son from his first wife, Leah. Again, check out that uh, chart in the show notes. His name means give thanks or praise the Lord. And the reason he has this name is because every time Leah gave birth, and this was the fourth time, she hoped for the attention of her husband, Jacob. Now, Jacob loved her sister, Rachel, more, and she was always, poor Leah was always craving his attention. Finally, with this fourth son, she praised God instead of trying to please her husband. And that's why she named him, give thanks or praise the Lord. Now, the size of this tribe as recorded in Numbers 1 is by far the largest, by about 20,000. There's 74,600 men. But that's not the only reason it is the it tribe. Let's talk about their faithfulness. Later, when the kingdom of Israel divides, and it's going to divide, we're going to get to that, it is only the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, and Levi who remain faithful in the southern kingdom, also called the kingdom of Judah. However, they are going to fall to Babylon after the northern kingdom falls to Assyria. But it is also the it tribe because great people come from the tribe of Judah. Caleb, who we're going to read about shortly in Joshua, is from the tribe of Judah. Of course, King David and his son Solomon are from this tribe. Mary, the mother of Jesus, of course, is from this tribe. And Jesus himself will be the promised seed from the line of Abraham that comes through also Jacob's son, Judah. I want to be from this tribe. (laughs) Okay, moving on. Second tribe, verse 18. On the second day, Nathanael, son of Zwar, the leader of Ishkar, brought this offering. The offering he brought was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour, mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering and two oxen, five rams, five male goats and five male lambs, a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Nathaniel, son of Zuar. Okay, so why is the tribe of Issachar next? We are following the order that they are going to march in the camp. Again, we have a picture of that in the show notes. Um, we're not following their birth order. Now, Issachar uh, was the tribe that came from the ninth 
son of Jacob, and the fifth son of his first wife, Leah. His name means my reward, most likely because Leah purchased her husband, Jacob, for the night from his wife, Rachel, for some mandrakes that she was craving. Now, Leah's reward for this purchase was that she had another son, and so she named him My Reward. This tribe is not very faithful. They're going to join the unfaithful tribes that make up the northern kingdom, also called the kingdom of Israel, that fall to Assyria. But they do have a couple of notables. One thing that they're notable for is they were very loyal to Deborah and Barak in their battles. Continuing in verse 24, on the third day, Eliab, son of Halon, the leader of Zebulun, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Eliab, son of Halon. Zebulun was the tribe from the 10th son of Jacob, named Zebulun, and the 6th son of his first wife, Leah. He was born right after Issachar, and his name means, God has bestowed on me a great gift. He joins the unfaithful tribes in the northern kingdom. And notable about this tribe was that they had the largest presence in David's army and served him with an undivided heart before they went AWOL. Oh, this is really fun. Let's keep going with Reuben. (laughs) Are you being sassy? No, I really am enjoying this. (laughs) Verse 30, on the fourth day, Eliezer, son of Shadur, the leader of the people of Reuben, brought this offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour, mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels, filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Eliezer, son of Shudder. Okay, Reuben is Jacob and Leah's firstborn son. He is the first of all the 12. His name means behold a son because Leah hoped to gain Jacob's favor. So she held him up and said, behold a son, hoping that Jacob would love her as much as he loves Rachel. Poor Leah. Uh, Okay, now, as far as his faithfulness, this, this tribe chose not to settle in the Promised Land. Instead, they stay east of the Jordan River, which probably wasn't a good idea. And they join the northern kingdom of the unfaithful and fall to Assyria. Now, here's some notable facts. Reuben was the one who lost his birthright. You know, the oldest has a birthright of a double portion. And the reason he lost it is because, now track with me here, people. He slept with his father's concubine, who also is his aunt Rachel's servant, and his half-brothers, Dan and Naphtali's mother named Bilhah. Did you get all that? It was pretty bad. He shouldn't have done that. He messed up all the way across the family lines. (laughs) It was a big mistake, and he loses the double portion. On the 
fifth day, Shemuel, son of Jerusadai, the leader of the people of Simeon, brought this offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Shalmiel, son of Zeruzadai. Simeon was Jacob and Leah's second son. His name means God hears because Leah prayed for another son after she had Reuben because she to get Jacob's attention. Simeon, along with Levi, makes a big mistake. So he and his brother Levi take revenge against their sister's seducer by killing all the men in the village. That's the story of Dinah. We covered that in Genesis. Jacob, his father, is furious and cursed him, saying that he and Levi must never be allowed to be together because when they do, they get into trouble. So they need to be dispersed. Now, Levi recovers later and wins God favor, but not Simeon. This tribe is going to be forced to to live kind of within Judah's territory. You'll see it when we get to the promised land and we have a map of that. And then they kind of just get dispersed and nothing becomes of them. Verse 42. On the sixth day, Eliasaph, son of Duel, the leader of the people of Gad, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Eliasaph, son of Duel. You know, it's kind of funny when you picture these tribes all marching forward, just like in the Olympics, they all think they're going to be winners, but they're not. (laughs) Gad is Jacob's seventh son and the first son for Zilpah. Now, Zilpah was Leah's servant. His name means good fortune. And like Reuben, they're going to, the tribe of Reuben, they're going to settle east of the Jordan. They're known as victorious fighters, but they become obscure and they do kind of join with the northern tribes and fall to Assyria. There are no notable people really from this tribe. Sad. Mm -hmm. Verse 48. On the seventh day, Elishma, son of Amahud, the leader of the people of Ephraim, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Elishma, son of Amahud. Okay, Ephraim has an interesting story. Ephraim is the second son of Joseph. Now, Joseph was the 11th son of Jacob, and 
and the firstborn of Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel, the one who couldn't have children at first. Joseph saves his brothers, and therefore he receives the birthright that Reuben had to give up because he made that big mistake of sleeping with his wife, his father's concubine. So the double inheritance in the promised land is given to Joseph, and each of Joseph's sons are elevated to tribe. So Joseph, it's kind of sad because Joseph kind of, his name disappears. We don't hear about him anymore as a tribe, but really, in fact, he's his descendants become two tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh. Now, Ephraim's name means fruitful because after um, he had him, Joseph had him, he was like thankful that he could be fruitful, but he was his second son. After the kingdoms divide, the capital of the northern kingdom, the unfaithful kingdom, is actually in Ephraim, and it's sometimes called the kingdom of Ephraim. Notable people from Ephraim, however, there are two, Joshua and Samuel are both from this tribe. Verse 54, on the eighth day, Gamaliel, son of Padashur, the leader of the people of Manasseh, brought this offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Gamaliel, son of Pedashur. Manasseh is Joseph's other son, so he's actually the grandson of Jacob and Rachel. His name means causing to forget because he was Joseph's firstborn, and Joseph felt that the blessing of a son would help him forget what his brothers had done to him. Remember, they threw him into the well, and then they sold him, uh, and forget that family that he loved so much, and he lost when he was cast aside. This is the only tribe to settle on both sides of the Jordan, but they do join that northern tribe and fall to Assyria. Gideon is a notable person that is born of this tribe. Verse 60. On the ninth day, Abidion, son of Gideon I, the leader of the people of Benjamin, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Abidon, son of Gideonai. Benjamin is the youngest of the 12 sons, and he is the full sibling to Joseph. Um, only Joseph and Benjamin were born to Jacob's beloved wife, Rachel. She actually dies giving birth to Benjamin, which grieves Jacob greatly. And so these two boys, Joseph and Benjamin, were kind of his favorites. His name means son of the right hand. And it's he's a very small tribe who plays a bigger role. This tribe of Benjamin is going to remain faithful to God and stands with Judah and Levi against the northern tribes. They were also super loyal to King David. Now, there's several notable people who come from this tribe. King Saul, a good guy who goes bad. Mordecai, who is Esther's uncle, gotta love him. 
And the Apostle Paul are also is also from this tribe. Verse 66, on the 10th day, Ahazer, son of Amishadai, the leader of the people of Dan, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, and each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Ahazer, son of Amishadai. Dan is the fifth son of Jacob and the first son of Bilhah, who was Rachel's servant. His name means judge. The tribe did not secure their portion of the land when they went to Canaan and instead chose an easier route and moved north, which led to them worshiping other gods and leading other tribes into idolatry. This was really bad, so bad, in fact, that this tribe is the only tribe not mentioned with the others in the book of Revelations. Kind of ominous. Um, There is speculation about that, which is just hearsay, so I shouldn't really say it, but people do speculate, commentaries and stuff, that actually the Antichrist may come from this tribe. Mm. Boo, boo. Uh, But there is one notable person, Samson, who came from this tribe. Verse 72, on the 11th day, Pagiel, son of Okron, the leader of the people of Asher, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering, one gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb, a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs, a year old, to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Pagiel, son of Okron. Asher was the eighth son of Jacob and the second son of Zilpah, Leah's servant. His name means happy or blessed, and he possessed a portion of land that is still really rich in food, specifically olives. Today, they were wise and peaceful people, but they did join those awful northern tribes and they fell to Assyria. No notable people. Nope. They're kind of quiet tribe. Verse 78, on the 12th day, Ashra, son of Inan, the leader of the people of Naphtali, brought his offering. His offering was one silver plate weighing 130 shekels and one silver sprinkling bowl weighing 70 shekels, both according to the sanctuary shekel, each filled with the finest flour mixed with olive oil as a grain offering. One gold dish weighing 10 shekels filled with incense, one young bull, one ram, and one male lamb a year old for a burnt offering, one male goat for a sin offering, and two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs a year old to be sacrificed as a fellowship offering. This was the offering of Ahira, son of Enon. Naphtali, uh, the tribe, came from the sixth son of Jacob and the second son of Bilhah, Rachel's servant. His name means my wrestling or struggle. I have no idea why. The tribe did help Gideon in battle to conquer the Midianites, and they supported King David, but they joined the northern tribes and fell to Assyria. (laughs) Uh, The only notable person I could find from this tribe was Barak. Okay, so these are the 12 tribes. Verse 84. 
These were the offerings of the Israelite leaders for the dedication of the altar when it was anointed, 12 silver plates, 12 silver sprinkling bowls, and 12 gold dishes. Each silver plate weighed 130 shekels, and each sprinkling bowl, 70 shekels. Altogether, the silver dishes weighed 2,400 shekels, according to the sanctuary shekel. The 12 gold dishes filled with incense weighed 10 shekels each, according to the sanctuary shekel. Altogether, the gold dishes weighed 120 shekels. The total number of animals for the burnt offering came to 12 young bulls, 12 rams, and 12 male lambs a year old, together with their grain offering. 12 male goats were used for the sin offering. The total number of animals for the sacrifice of the fellowship offering came to 24 oxen, 60 rams, 60 male goats, and 60 male lambs a year old. These were the offerings for the dedication of the altar after it was anointed. So the parade has come to an end. The only son of Jacob that wasn't mentioned here that became a tribe was the tribe of Levi. And he's not listed, remember, because they are still dispersed, as Jacob cursed them with, that they would be dispersed. But they're going to be dispersed as a blessing, becoming priests among all the tribes. And we talked about that a lot. And they get the fun job of carrying all this heavy stuff as they have to move the tabernacle every time. They do. Verse 89. When Moses entered the tent of meeting to speak to the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from between the two cherubim above the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant Law. In this way, the Lord spoke to him. So remember, we have this relationship going on. The giving of gifts in response to God was a beautiful demonstration of faith. All is complete and the Lord is pleased. His presence is felt in his voice that speaks above the ark, filling the most holy place. This is what they created this tabernacle for, was so that they could hear God's instruction and voice. The next instruction he will speak to Moses is symbolic of how with faith comes light. And light can be in a lot of things. It's illumination. It's understanding. So keep that in mind. The pleasure that God feels from Israel's faithfulness is going to bring light and blessing to them. Chapter 8 begins some instruction about the Lamb and the Levites. Now, it is believed that the tie between these two, the Lamb and the Levites, was that the lamps were to be focused on the bread of the presence, which if you'll go back (laughs) to Leviticus, there's this, we're in the holy place, not the most holy place. There's the courtyard, the holy place, and the most holy place. And in the holy place is this table. And um, on the table are 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes. Now, the Levites, so the lamps were to be focused on the bread of the presence. That's those 12 tribes representing. And the Levites would have their position focused on the community. So God's kind of doing the symbolism here. Okay, the lamps are going to be focused here, and you, the Levites, are going to be focused here. Lamps not focused properly do not illuminate well. God's intention here was to illuminate the 12 tribes. The Levites not properly positioned well within the community would give also a diffused picture. God's intention was that they present the nature of God to the people. So we kind of have the symbolism of the lamps illuminating the tribes and the Levites taking that light and illuminating, giving understanding to the people. Okay, so here's the description of setting up the lamps in chapter 8. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to Aaron and say to him, When you set up the lamps, see that all seven light up the area in front of the lampstand. 
Aaron did so. He set up the lamps so that they faced forward on the lampstand, just as the Lord commanded Moses. This is how the lampstand was made. It was made of hammered gold from its base to its blossoms. The lampstand was made exactly like the pattern the Lord had shown Moses. And I'd love to go over all that again. In Exodus 25, we read a beautiful description of the lampstand and the symbolism of it, you know, being creation because it's got blossoms on it and all this cool stuff. Now, the information added here is that the lamp is positioned facing forward, which would be toward the table, casting light onto those 12 loaves of bread. This arrangement visually portrayed God's intention for Israel to abide in his presence, in his sight, in the light. It is Christ who has become our ever-present light in the heavenly tabernacle. Jesus said, I am the light of the world and I am the bread of life, using both symbols of light and life to describe himself and what he is to us. Okay, here's the description for setting apart the Levites. The ceremonial cleansing and installation of the Levites is similar to the way Aaron and his sons were ordained into the priesthood in Leviticus 8. So I'm not going to really explain a lot about it. But remember, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. It was only the firstborn, right? It was only those from the family of Aaron. All Levites serve the tabernacle. It was they replaced the firstborn of every other tribe. But not all Levites are priests. Some Levites just carry stuff and guard the tabernacle. They don't actually get to go in and do all the sacrificing. Got it. Verse 5, the Lord said to Moses, take the Levites from among all the Israelites and make them ceremonially clean. To purify them, do this, sprinkle the water of cleansing on them, then have them shave their whole bodies and wash their clothes, and so they will purify themselves. Have them take a young bull with its grain offering of the finest flour mixed with olive oil. Then you are to take a second young bull for a sin offering. Bring the Levites to the front of the tent of meeting and assemble the whole Israelite community. You're to bring the Levites before the Lord, and the Israelites are to lay their hands on them. Aaron is to present the Levites before the Lord as a wave offering from the Israelites so that they may be ready to do the work of the Lord. Then the Levites are to lay their hands on the heads of the bulls, using one for a sin offering to the Lord and the other for a burnt offering to make atonement for the Levites. Have the Levites stand in front of Aaron and his sons and then present them as a wave offering to the Lord. In this way, you are to set the Levites apart from the other Israelites and the Levites will be mine. After you have purified the Levites and presented them as a wave offering, they are to come to do their work at the tent of meeting. They are the Israelites who are to be given wholly to me. I have taken them as my own in place of the firstborn, the first male offspring from every Israelite woman. Every firstborn male in Israel, whether human or animal, is mine. When I struck down all the firstborn of Egypt, I set them apart for myself, and I have taken the Levites in place of all the firstborn sons of Israel. From among all the Israelites, I have given the Levites as gifts to Aaron and his sons to do the work at the tent of meeting on behalf of the Israelites and to make atonement for them so that no plague will strike the Israelites when they go near the sanctuary. Moses, Aaron, and the whole Israelite community did with the Levites just as the Lord commanded Moses. The Levites purified themselves and washed their clothes. Then Aaron presented them as a wave offering before the Lord and made atonement for them to purify them. After that, the Levites came to do their work at the tent of meeting under the supervision of Aaron and his sons. They did with the Levites just as the Lord commanded Moses. 
The Lord said to Moses, This applies to the Levites. Men 25 years old or more shall come to take part in the work at the tent of meeting. But at the age of 50, they must retire from their regular service and work no longer. They may assist their brothers in performing their duties at the tent of meeting, but they themselves must not do the work. This, then, is how you are to assign the responsibilities of the Levites. A lot of detail there, a lot of offerings, but we covered all that in Leviticus. We know for a fact that the priests have an intense job because several have already died in, in while doing their priestly duties. But I think the Levites did too, because remember, they had to carry the stuff. They had to guard the tabernacle. If they dropped something, it would have been probably a, maybe death again. So I think it's kind of cool that God provides for their faithful retirement at the age of, what, what was it? 50. 50 and guess what? 50. I think that's, we should go back to that. No, we, no. It shouldn't have to be 65. We should be able to retire at 50. It says it in the Bible. Well, it, is, it says it for the Levites, at least. Um, now, they are packed up. They are ready to go. They have been blessed. They have given. This is where the journey begins in the next episode. We are on our way to Canaan, or at least we think we are on our way to Canaan. Um, they're not going to quite get there for another 40 years, but that's where the fun begins and really watching them fail over and over. Did I say that was fun? And I mean, learning, learning from them learning from failing them. over and over. That makes me what feel not to do. It does make me feel a lot better when I see how much they mess up. <laughs> What's a club without friends? If you're enjoying the Bible Book Club, why don't you share it? And then you can say, Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. New episodes drop every Monday and get all episodes now on Amazon Music. As always, head over to SusanMe.com slash Bible Book Club for show notes from today's episode. Bible Book Club is hosted by Susan Merrill and Heather Rubio. Edited by Buck Buchanan. Produced by Haley Mawatt.